Hey friends, today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Chemistry Staffing. You know, one of the things that they really never did teach us at seminary is when is the time to move on from our current church? Over the last couple of years, I've been having a ton, a ton of conversations about this with pastors all over the place. And they really haven't thought through really what does that look like? How do I know when to move on? Well, that's why I'm so excited about this brand new free resource that my friends at Chemistry Staffing are list are offering to you, our listeners. If you go to chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary, you can download one PDF that contains two ebooks, When to Leave and Before You Go. Both of these ebooks are probably the best resource that I've seen for ministry leaders who are really wrestling with this question, when should I leave? And if I've made the decision to leave, what should you do before you go? I want you to drop by chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary to pick this up. It really is amazing resources. It's a two for one pack of these two resources, when to leave and before you go. And while you're over there at, at Chemistry Staffing, you'll notice that they have a number of job openings. This is a time of year where there's some fantastic churches that are looking for new team members and that you might be that team member. Or, you know what you could do, and I've done this, where you'll see a, a church that's looking for someone and you might know someone who would be great in one of those roles. But you know what? Look around, pass on some names to our friends at Chemistry Staffing. This is a perfect time of year to do that. Again, that's over at chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you've decided to tune in. It's going to be a great conversation today. Super excited to have my friend Jeremy Norton with us. Uh, Jeremy is a pastor in a location that in some ways I think is like living in the future. Stick with me, friends. Uh, he is at Mountain View Church, which is in Whitehorse, Yukon in Canada, which is, you could call it north. That's about as north as I think this is the most northernly uh, interview we've had. Uh, Jeremy is the lead pastor there. Jeremy, welcome to the show. So glad you're here today. Thank you so much. I'm a fan of the podcast and, uh, you know, you've been a, a good insight and resource for us as a church and for me as a leader. So yeah, I'm pumped to do this. Oh, super sweet. Thank you for uh, for saying that. Why don't you fill out a little bit of the picture? Tell us about Mountain View, kind of give us to tell us about the church and then maybe talk a little bit about your story. Totally. Yeah. So Mountain View Church uh, is in the city of Whitehorse. Now the city of Whitehorse is only 30,000 people. So for most, it would be like, wait, 30,000 is not like a town. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. but it is the capital city of the Yukon. Uh, the Yukon is the territory right beside Alaska. Alaska is our neighbor for any American mm -hmm. listeners that would kind of give them a placing of where it is. It's mm -hmm. a territory, not a province. So uh, we have three territories in Canada, very different than provinces and how they function and things, uh, but a part of Canada. Uh, to give an idea of the viewers or listeners uh, on the uh, landmass and population, it's the same landmass as California, 
but there's only 40,000 people That's in, amazing. The, in the entire landmass with wow. 30,000 of them living in Whitehorse. So three out of four people live. So that would be like, imagine LA only has 30,000 people and the rest of California has another 10,000. That's amazing. where that's where I live. That's how I function. Now, the good part of that is that so goes Whitehorse, so goes the territory. So mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. evangelism effort in the city of Whitehorse, if you can reach Whitehorse, which is what we're trying to do at Mountain View, you know, mm-hmm. serve mm-hmm. the city, reach the city, mm-hmm. um, it can have a massive impact. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea. I ha- I served for uh, my first ministry was uh, as a youth pastor in Alaska. I served a bit in Alberta, but I grew mm-hmm. up in Ontario, uh, mm-hmm. actually met my wife in the Muskokas. And <laughs> so I, I've been around different places, but landed in my calling for the past eight years here in the Yukon. Love it. Well, there's a lot I want to dig into, and I appreciate you giving that uh, that overview and the sense to kind of you know set up a little bit of, of the you know, the tension that Whitehorse is in, the fact that it's, you know, it really is in, like you say, three or four people in the territory live in there. And that's just uh, incredible, incredible statistics. The thing that caught my attention and as we were kind of connecting, getting ready for this, I really do think that the spiritual makeup of mm-hmm. your community might in some ways give us a view into the future a little bit. Talk to us about that. What does that look like? What's the kind of spiritual dynamics in Whitehorse? Uh, Yeah. So you have, um, so for those that are Canadian or understand Canada, Canada is definitely uh, Mm post-Christian, more secular sensed, uh, way further down the road than the United States would be. So the United States, a lot of times we say, hey, look to Canada to kind of look to what's happening culturally in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the UK and Europe is even further down the line than Canada Mm -hmm. is. But when Mm -hmm. we look at Canada as a whole, and you look at Statistics Canada, the city of Whitehorse and Yukon Territory is actually has the highest percentage um, of atheist agnostic. It's the most hmm. secular city, Whitehorse, the most secular city in Canada, even more than Vancouver, Toronto. We have oh. around 51% that are kind of like proclaimed to be atheist or agnostic, right. and according to Statistics Canada. So that makes uh, Whitehorse a challenge. Uh, in a big (laughs) way. Um, uh, The ideology, you know, one out of two people that you talk to either rejects the idea of God entirely Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. see absolutely no, like there's no importance to it to think about it. So that's, imagine that every other person, that's how you interact with. And so Hmm. trying to establish churches there, try to establish evangelism efforts right. there. It is, it is hard soil. And, and based mm-hmm. on the research, based on the stats, Whitehorse would be the hardest soil, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps based on the stats in North America. Right. Which is crazy why, to think about. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. And I, and I want to really dive into and talk through what you're learning on, you know, particularly the outreach and evangelism front. But before we get there, why is that? What What is it? What's your theory? What's the theory of why uh, this community is such a magnet for, uh, you know, for, like you're saying, agnostic, atheist, kind of the post-Christian mm-hmm. culture? Yeah, so there's, 
the the big factor is the is the deep deep rooted independent nature that's probably the thing mm-hmm. that binds everyone who's in the Yukon mm-hmm. is there is a strong independence in them so i, mm-hmm. I it would be interesting to do like an enneagram study on the Yukon <laughs> versus versus the rest of Canada like i don't know if it's just it it draws diff, obviously different personalities but strong convictions, heavy independence. Uh, sometimes right. the Yukon's nicknamed as the colorful 5% of Canada. Uh, <laughs> in, in all the people that kind of don't fit in the rest of the country, they escape okay. to the Yukon. Okay. Um, so, so that's one piece. Is ev- no matter what your conviction is in Whitehorse, everyone is deeply independent. And it kind of gathers mm. that type of people. The other piece to it is uh, Whitehorse is the kind of the hub for Northern sovereignty uh, in Canada. For anyone that's kind of followed, you know, geopolitic political stuff in regards to the North and natural resources and these types mm-hmm. of things, um, it's a uh, you know it's a, it's a hub. You've got Alaska, Canada, mm-hmm. and Russia. You got all these people. All mm-hmm. these nations that really that we found the North will be important in the future. And so there's like this right. Arctic sovereignty, northern sovereignty thing going on. So Whitehorse is the hub of that, which increases the level of government employees and government right. presence. Right. So we're 33 percent government employee. Wow. So one out of three people either works for that's amazing. Like the feds, the territory or municipal government or subsequent, you know, Organization. So then when you have a high government presence, high independent presence, and then we also have our second, uh, you know, so we have mining, which is like one of our mm-hmm. major, uh, mm-hmm. major private businesses. Then the mm-hmm. second is guiding, like hunting and fishing guiding and too. Okay. As well. So, right. so for anyone that understands mining, fishing, hunting, that right. is fairly super conservative. Sure. Then you have this high government populace right. that's mixed in. These two groups typically yeah, aren't big mixed. fans of each other. <laughs> and and so, it, it, so, and then add in a whole other layer, layer that, that we have 25% first nations. Right. So one out of four people is first nations. So that adds mm-hmm. an element. Mm-hmm. And then another strange thing that's, that's come up in the past, uh, five years, the Canadian government has allowed fast track immigration for mm. uh, for certain certain uh, countries. One of the biggest that Canada has found is Filipino population. Mm-hmm. So right now, if 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 uh, if someone from the Philippines comes to uh, Whitehorse, Yellowknife, or or Akalawit for the first five years, they can get kind of fast tracked permanent residency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the last little mix is one out of 10 people, we're 10% Filipino in our city. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. So it, if you add, mix. it is such a strange mix, such yeah, a strange mix. Huh. Um, so well, all of that creates kind of, it's just a really mixed bag and there's, there's tensions. It's just the way it is. It's people. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That's so cool. Well, I'd love to hear about what you're learning on kind of the outreach and evangelism, you know, side of things. So you step into that culture, you've been here for a while. Uh, What's working? How are you engaging the community? What does that look like? Yeah, probably the, um, the, the biggest thing I think is, is presence. Um, Mm -hmm. I, 
I choose to kind of work in coffee shops. Uh, I have a little studio here that I do some recording in, but at mm-hmm. home, but um, you, if you're in a heavy atheist agnostic culture, it's not that mm-hmm. I'm going to share the gospel and someone's going to be like, Oh, I need Jesus. Now they might mm-hmm. Holy spirit mm-hmm. can drop and that can mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> but when you have uh, such a high secular presence, uh, mm-hmm. such a heavy um, spiritual kind of opposition, I would say it's mm-hmm. a long game. You, right. you may have someone that asks questions about things. They may sit down at a coffee shop and they kind of know, okay, why are you always here? You know, I see you on the laptop, you know, I see you mm-hmm. doing things. Um, but something we talked about before is, uh, something really important for any pastor or leader that's kind of working in a public setting that wants to reach the public. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do is if someone sits down or I invite them to sit down, I close my laptop. Mm. Closing the like laptop that. is one of the very first cues um, mm-hmm. that it's like, I, I am willing to take the time. Right. And, and you have to understand that this is going to be a long conversation and they actually may get frustrated, leave, mm-hmm. and you got to kind of politely allow that but they're going to come back. And, and mm. so to reach an atheist agnostic culture, you need to be patient. It, they may come back to you three weeks later, three months mm. later and said, Hey, you know, we we're talking about it just because they may not like what you're talking about in the moment, talking about Jesus, talking about sin or the need for a savior and all these different things. You can't give up. It's a mm. long game. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, I'm a fairly conservative guy and there can always mm-hmm. be a temptation, oh, always a temptation to get into kind of more conservative ideology, which maybe I more lean to as kind of more on the evangelical reform side. But I have to pause that and understand that this person, they, they are going to reject so much of that. And, mm-hmm. and so I can't get caught up too heavily in the issues mm-hmm. with someone right. who's not a believer. Right. Uh, I, I have to lay that aside and say, okay, my relationship with this person has to be built so that they might trust me to share the gospel with them. Right. But they're feeling me out and they're super mm-hmm. skeptical. They're mm-hmm. super independent. And, mm-hmm. and so they're going to push back just about it as much as everything. I don't know. I don't know if that all makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I'd love for you to pull that apart a little bit more. I love, uh, or I'm intrigued, interested in this idea of, you know, how do we, how do we stay connecting? What are you learning about staying connecting relationally with people over an extended period of time? I know I was just joking with a friend, oh, in the last couple months about how, you know, when we're engaged in those kind of conversations, um, I know my tendency is like, I just want to see this deal close now. Like, can't let's, yes. let's get, let's help. How do we get this person across the line, which can, um, which can just short circuit so much, right? A part of what we've got to do is be committed over the long haul. How are you balancing that out with also the need to be truthful and to not soft pedal and to not be like to steer away from the issues? Because uh, I know that's not who you are. How does that balance mm-hmm. out? How does that work out for you as you're engaging with folks? Yeah, and for me, I'm, I'm not, those who would know me would, would say I'm not a patient guy. Um, I'm, <laughs> sure. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm an Enneagram eight. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty future minded and, and I, I like change. I like making decisions. I like mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've just had to understand that, um, I have a higher expectation 
a way higher expectation for those mm. who have given their life to Jesus. I, mm. I, I, if someone does not have the Holy Spirit, I cannot, I, I right. cannot expect that they understand any of the deeper issues about identity, <laughs> sexuality, um, right. you know, all the other hot button issues that mm-hmm. maybe we get, we get tempted to go into. Now, if someone is, is a believer, I'll call them to certain things, but if mm-hmm. they're not, if they, mm-hmm. if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they haven't given life to Jesus. You, mm-hmm. you have, you have to kind of politely kind of share where you stand. Um, but try to steer the conversation, uh, toward what they're personally struggling with. Right, and and right. you you have to move away from the big picture and move to the small picture. So ask really personal questions. Mm-hmm. You know, where if 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 they're really jazzed about talking about identity, ask them like, where do you find your identity? What is your greatest value? So lots of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. love that everyone, including probably you and I loves talking mm-hmm. about themselves. So, <laughs> if, right. It's sure. human nature. Sure. And so if you ask them those, those questions, um, very few people, I think in our day and age want to very few people in the church, this might sound controversial, but very few people in the church want to give an atheist or agnostic airtime. Mm. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like sure. they kind of, sh- sure. they're like, I don't want to hear this. I don't, right. you know, and, but we've got to listen, right? We've got to listen. You we have got to, it. Right? Like, yeah, absolutely. You yeah. I found to. we, we've been, uh, like, I love one, I love alpha. We use it at our, mm-hmm. our church. And one of the Excellent. things I love about their, um, you know, the culture there is around just simply listening, listening to people's stories and, um, and letting letting some heresy fly, you know, letting some some bad ideas float out oh, there yeah. because you're building up relational equity to then end up, you know, helping them take steps closer, you know, towards Jesus. So how does that translate? I get that on the personal front. I love that idea. I think that's a, um, even, you know, it's even practical coaching for us as we're thinking about leading. What are we doing to be visible? What are we doing to be relationally connected? I think those are all good things. How does that work itself out in the church context? What does that look like oh, yeah. corporately uh, as you're ministering in your context? So, yeah, that's a great question. So uh, corporately, it, a secular, highly secular culture, heavy atheist agnostic, they are mm. looking to see what you do, mm. not so much what you say. And so for us, we're, we're gearing up for, so we, we have this, uh, so in our vision, we want to uh, serve our city to reach our city. That's the big part as mm. a church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're gearing up for, for projects that are coming up. We do a project called Stuff the Bus, where mm-hmm. we get a school bus in front of our biggest grocery store. We make mm-hmm. connections with the White Horse Food Bank mm-hmm. and we, we connect with people as they're walking in and we do it on Thanksgiving weekend and we say, hey, mm. Thanksgiving's awesome. We're going to eat a ton of food. There's people who don't have food. Would you take this little list and would mm-hmm. you think about maybe picking up one or two of these items right. while you're doing your Thanksgiving shopping? And, and then we'll actually put it on this school bus and we're going to drive right. this school bus over to the food bank and stock all the shelves before Thanksgiving. Wow. Wow. And yeah, so we're, we're not like, we're not standing outside of the grocery store sharing the gospel. 
and mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I understand there's there's maybe like one side of evangelicalism, like you have them captive audience, like that's what you need to say. Buy mm-hmm. groceries mm-hmm. and give your life mm-hmm. to Jesus. Like mm-hmm. no, 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 no. They 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 are expecting a bait and switch. That this is simply initiative to serve our city, right. and maybe maybe. Lord willing, through the Spirit's leading, we'll get an opportunity to reach them at a later time. They may show up on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. because they're like, I don't know who this church is. Mm-hmm. They stuffed a school bus full of food for the food right. bank. Okay, that resonates with me. Right. These right, guys, right. The, this, the, the, the hypocrisy of every church is the hypocrisy of humanity. We, we don't always get it right. We're still a right. sinful people, a part of Mountain mm-hmm. View. We struggle sometimes. We make mistakes. But at least they can say, okay, well, they're trying really hard. Right. And right. then we do a couple other initiatives. So this, this uh, uh, another thing that just is, is, uh, is a showing thing. Uh, we mm-hmm. have something called uh, Backpacks of Joy. And yep. so after the school season, we encourage people to buy up all the backpacks around town that are on sale. When, mm-hmm. when the back to school is in the fall and keep them and we stuff them full of gifts and cards and stuff. And then right. on Christmas, uh, right before Christmas Eve, we actually walk the streets of Whitehorse. Um, oh. And at that time, we're talking like, you know, negative 30 <laughs> could be negative 40 by that time. <laughs> and amazing. there's still we still have a homeless community. And we have a shelter and stuff, but there's still people on the street when it's that cold. And, and, you know, giving them things that what their mitts, they're got mitts, they got hands in pockets. They got, so what we've done is we put together their Christmas gifts in a backpack Mm -hmm. and then we hand out those backpacks. Now in there, yes, there's a Bible. There's some information about our church, but really it's like food and gifts and stuff so that, so that people that are, that are unfortunately living on the street, they can get a Christmas gift. So these are, these are just a couple of the ways of some of the stuff we do. Right. um, Yeah. To serve, to reach. Yeah, that's great. And you know, there's this, uh, we see, have seen this consistently uh, again with churches in all different contexts that churches that are making a difference, that are growing, that are reaching people, they do have this kind of demonstration and proclamation double, you know, double barrel thing, right? We, we, there should be things that the church does that you can point at that the community might say that's a good thing. We think it's a God thing, but we can we can agree on like, hey, this is a good thing to do. Like stuff the bus, backpacks of joy. There's going to be very few people in town that are going to say, nah, that's a bad thing. I don't know. You know, you'd have to be a pretty hardened atheist to be like, man, I wish that church would stop stuffing that bus full of food. You know, like, yeah. you know, of course, of course, you're going to think that's a good thing. So, and obviously yeah. that's not the end of the conversation. It's the beginning of the conversation, but love that. Yeah. And then there's like some unique stuff that happens um, related to kind of the North. Like people don't, people Mm -hmm. don't know about, so uh, third, third Monday in January is called Blue Monday. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, Blue Monday is the darkest time. It's, Mm. it's not the darkest day as physically, but it's the darkest time in the North. Mm. The highest right. levels of depression, highest levels of suicide, domestic abuse, and everything. It's a third Monday. It's called Blue Monday. This is mm-hmm. because the nostalgia of Christmas and New Year's is over. Most people are totally fatigued of volunteerism and right. charity fatigued from the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. All the credit card bills are coming in. There's, Mm -hmm. it's dark, it's cold. And so Blue Monday is actually a time, it's a huge need. And we actually partner with Village Church, uh, Mm -hmm. one of the kind of fastest growing, biggest churches in Canada. We partner with them to do uh, another initiative called Boxes of Light, 
where mm. we've worked with community organizations to put together a help card of all mm-hmm. the different resources someone m- might need, whether they're in addiction or depression or suicide and stuff like that in a, in like this really nice packaged card within mm. this box of, of gifts like hand warmers and, and, and food and things like that. And, and it's actually like a really nice gift and it's three weeks after Christmas. Mm. We, we work with community organizations, uh, uh, first nations health and AA and different organizations. And we don't even know who gets these. We actually just drop them off to them. So there's kind of some, Mm. you know, some security there for who's struggling Mm. and they Mm. know, and same with the, there's a place called Kyoshi's place, which is the women's transition home for battered women and children. So we Mm. just hand it to these agencies. And then in the, at blue Monday, in the darkest time of the year, in the middle of January, when there's, when resources are at their kind of slimmest, Mm -hmm. um, village church helps mountain view, uh, bless these people. And, and Mm -hmm. last year and this year, village church actually brought a team up from greater Vancouver. So you can imagine the culture shock of them (laughs) and they actually help us with the project and they actually come up to the North in the darkest, coldest time to really experience, okay, what this is, it's hard to believe this is a first world nation and you know, this is Canada, but, um, you know, it, that people live here, this is dark and cold and depressing. (laughs) And, um, not that there isn't those things other places in Canada, but it's, so anyway, these, these are the different types of things that are, um, that are helping us have conversations about salvation eventually. Yeah, love it. Now, you um, just earlier this year actually released a book called Northern Roads, A Journey of Life and Leadership Serving on the 60th Parallel. Love that. Um, Tell me about this book. Why did you write this book? What, you know, it's a lot of time, effort and energy to pull together. Uh, What what led you to the place that said like, hey, this is probably good time now to pull this together. So uh, working in Calgary, working in hospitality, my, um, a mentor of mine, I was just serving in the church like crazy. And he's like, you know, some people do this full time. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I went back to school, Bible college. And uh, then I started putting out resumes and my wife was from Alaska. And so I, I actually went on youthpastor.com because it was going to be a youth <laughs> pastor to start and uh, kind of internet dated this church in Soldotna, Alaska near where she grew up. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and then got hired there. And mm. that really started kind of my Northern journey and, and where God was fostering my call to the North. And I started, not only did I struggle with American Canadian transition and we both speak English, but those two countries are so incredibly different. And I think most mm-hmm. Canadians no, and most Americans uh, don't fully comprehend yeah, understand how that. Yep. radically true. different we are. And so mm-hmm. went through that as well as living in Alaska. And there's just, there was so many different things and so many lessons learned. There was tragedies uh, that I walked through. Uh, personally and in our church that I served in and, and there was huge highs that like huge lessons learned. And it was actually my mom at the time, this is like 12 years ago now. Mm. She's like, Jeremy, these are crazy things. You need to write these down. I was like, Mm. okay, I'll start writing them down. (laughs) So I started writing them down and then um, my journey continues, settle in the Yukon. And then I start kind of looking back at some of this and I start putting it together and I'm like, wow, I, 
maybe this is a book. Maybe, mm. maybe I could put this together. And so I did, and I sent mm. it out to some publishers and I'm super thankful and gracious that Ambassador International picked me up and their editing team worked with me. And um, so, yeah, I was able to launch a book that basically tells the story, my Northern Roads journey of how mm-hmm. a kid from Southwestern Ontario near the Michigan border grew up in like a city, like one of the most Southern places in Canada, um, how I ended up, you know, in Alaska and in the Yukon. So, yeah. And then all the different lessons that God taught me through that. And so it's been Mm -hmm. extremely successful. People have been really gracious and have enjoyed it. And so, yeah, it's been fun, really fun. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's cool. I'd love for people to pick up a copy of this. Uh, I think it could be a great read. Um, you know, it has that kind of memoir feel, great kind of story, you know, ties into some of the the northern, you know, mystique, which I think could be fun. There could be folks that are out there uh, that maybe as a gift or as, you know, a friend that, you know, you could pass on. When you wrote this, what kind of transformation or change were you hoping would happen uh, in people who were reading it? What's kind of, what are you writing for? What are you hoping will will take place in uh, in the lives of your readers? Um, a, a couple things like the first thing is just, um, to under, to under, to, to become a better leader. I think that's mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. the one thing I, I, mm-hmm. I, there was a lot of very biblical, very spiritual lessons that God taught me. And I think anyone, mm-hmm. uh, can see those lessons. And at the end of every chapter, I kind of say, okay, here's how this might apply in your situation. So that's kind of the first thing I won't want people to grow, uh, as leaders grow in their faith. And, and that's possible, uh, because there's, there is so much scripture that I've tried to put in the book, especially at the end of each chapter. Uh, but the other thing is for people to understand, um, especially maybe people who have only ever lived in a bigger city and, Mm -hmm. and for, those that that live in the southern part of Canada and the major cities mm-hmm. that strip across the U.S. border, and those mm-hmm. that that live in the United States, uh, that there is a big, wide world, and there's way there's different challenges, and there's different things that people walk through, and mm-hmm. uh, you know sometimes people might think, oh, they'll think, oh, missions, and you know, and I, and I'm not saying, please don't hear this, you know, I'm not saying we don't need to go to Africa and Asia and South mm-hmm. America and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but so often. Uh, the North, Alaska, Yukon, Northwest Territories, and Nunavut, uh, the whole strip of North America often gets missed. Um, and, and yet this is in our own continent and and there's massive struggles. And so maybe, maybe someone will be called to visit, just maybe for fun, but maybe someone will be called to serve the North as well. And uh, that would be amazing. Uh, that would be Love it. The, the biggest win is if someone read my book and was like, you know what? Uh, the Holy Spirit's calling in me that I need to serve in the North. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Uh, there's a need. So that would be great. That's so cool. Uh, so we could pick up copies of this at Amazon or are there other places we want to send people uh, to pick up a copy of, uh, of Northern Roads? Anywhere books are sold, chapters indigo, christianbook.com. Mm-hmm. It, Literally, Ambassador International has done such a good job at, at mm-hmm. making sure that it that it is everywhere. You can just Google it. Uh, the other thing is, that you could do is you can go to leadbiblically.com, which is my site. And there's lots of resources there. There's courses and workshops that we can do either online in person for, for your church or your team, whether you're mm-hmm. in nonprofit, 
homeschool co-ops, Christian school, churches, whatever you want to do. Uh, there's also, you can buy the book right there. And mm-hmm. uh, then there's also um, Ambassador International worked with Uversion. And if you mm-hmm. want kind of a free snippet to kind of see some of the content, they actually took some of the Northern Road story and some of the uh, they, they worked with me to, to help me put together uh, a devotional. It's a five day devotional plan on the Uversion Bible app. You can just mm-hmm. search Jeremy Norton, uh, mm-hmm. a, a five day journey of life and leadership. And yeah. And, and ultimately the goal is I want people to come to know Jesus. I want them to get closer with the relationship with Jesus. And this can just give them a, a little, it gives them a taste, a five day right. taste, drawing close Love to it. Jesus and kind of learning a bit more. So so good. We'll put links to all that in uh, the show notes. This is so fantastic. Well, Jeremy, I, I've loved getting to know you a little bit better and hear a little bit of your story. If people want to track with you outside of that website, is there anywhere else we want to send them online to learn more about the church or, you know, or, or yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so mountainview.church. Uh, mountainview.church. Uh, right now, our website is mountainviewwhitehorse.ca, but yes. over the pandemic, uh, we have we have grown. So depending on when you listen to this, uh, it might still be mountainviewwhitehorse.ca, but it, Thanksgiving, October, sorry, Canadian Thanksgiving mm-hmm. in October, <laughs> we're transitioning to mountainview.church because uh, we're becoming less centralized to, to Whitehorse over the pandemic. More and more people are are listening. So yeah. Love it. So mm-hmm. good. Well, I uh, appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for being on the episode. And I appreciate your uh, work with this book, Northern Roads. And just want to encourage you, cheer you on as you're uh, serving in the North. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. It was super fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.